0: Welcome to this worship service at the Old Presbyterian Meeting House in Alexandria, Virginia. We hope you will join us some Sunday morning here in Old Town Alexandria. Again, welcome. Let the hand my In the deepest places of our lives, we cry to God. God, hear our voices. Do not be far from us. Let us not forget God's steadfast love and power to redeem. Let us wait for the Lord and hope in God's word. Ever there was a congregation that knew how to let its light shine? It's this one. So, before reading the scriptures this morning, allow me to take a few moments just to say thank you. Thank you to each and every one of you who sent cards, who made calls, who provided food. Oh my, was there food, especially when we were entertaining up to 40 members of our extended family. And thanks, too, for your special contributions to the educational fund for my granddaughter. Special thanks to officers and staff for their love and support and for taking on extra duties during my absence. And very special thanks to Catherine and Ann for their faithful and their loving ministry to me and my family and for that wonderfully moving and meaningful memorial service that they conducted for Ben. Know that I love and appreciate each and every one of you. In times like this, there's lots of scriptures you can go to for help, but the ones that seem to speak to me were Psalm 42 and familiar verses from the letter to the Romans. So I invite you to listen for God's word for all of us this day, and I think you can understand why I would choose these passages. As a deer longs for flowing streams, my soul longs for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and behold the face of God? My tears have been my food day and night, while people say to me continually, where, where is your God? These things I remember as I pour out my soul, how I went with the throng and led them in procession to the house of God with glad shouts and songs of thanksgiving. A multitude keeping festival. So why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you disquieted within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my help and my God. My soul is cast down within me, and therefore I remember you from the land of Jordan and Hermon and Mount Mizar. Deep calls to deep at the thunder of your cataracts, and all your waves and your billows have gone over me. By day the Lord commands his steadfast love, and at night his song is with me, a prayer to the God of my life. So I say to God, my rock, why, why have you forgotten me? Why must I walk about mournfully because the enemy oppresses me as with a deadly wound in my body my adversaries taunt me while they say where is your God why are you cast down O my soul and why are you disquieted within me hope in God for I shall again praise him my help and my God And then these words from the Apostle Paul. I consider that the sufferings of the present time are not worth comparing with the glory about to be revealed to us. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the children of God in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to decay and will obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. We know that the whole creation has been groaning in labor pains until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit, we too groan inwardly while we wait for the adoption and the redemption of our bodies. For in hope we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope. Who hopes for what is seen? but if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. And likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. For we do not know how to pray as we ought, but that very Spirit intercedes with sighs too deep for words. And God who searches the heart knows what is the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. So what are we to say about these things? Well, if God is for us, who is against us? He who did not withhold his own son, but gave him up for all of us, will he not with him also give us everything else? Who will bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. So who is there to condemn? It is Christ Jesus who died, yes, who was raised, and who is at the right hand of God, interceding for us. So who will separate us from the love of Christ? Will hardship, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword? No, in all of these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. May it be so for all of us. Amen. And please join with me in prayer. Oh God, when we don't know what else to do or where else to turn for help, we pray. And so today we pray, we pray that your spirit will be among us as we mourn our griefs and claim our promises that you are indeed a God who is always with us. Help us now to hear your word, for we ask it in Christ's name, amen. Amen. On December the 15th, I preached a sermon entitled, Sitting in Darkness. It was based on a story about John the Baptist who having been in prison began to question his faith in God. Things had not gone as he had imagined they would. His life, his world had gotten worse, not better. And so he just sat there in the darkness of his prison cell, quiet and alone questioning who Jesus was and what Jesus was all about. Why, why, he must have wondered. Didn't Jesus do something to help him? As many of you will recall, I shared how much I identified with John, particularly in the darkness of December. I told you about my mother dying on December the 22nd after a difficult struggle with brain cancer. I told you about my oldest son, Rob, dying on December 19th. I told you about my daughter and her miscarriage on December 11th. And I told you about my youngest son's struggle to overcome his alcoholism that stemmed in part from having never come to terms with his brother's death. What I didn't know at the time, of course, is that in just in nine days, on December the 24th, Ben would also be dead. Another life, another love, gone too soon. And so here I am, telling you again that what you've heard is true. That there's nothing worse than losing a child, except perhaps losing a second one. As I said after my first son's death, it's not supposed to be this way. Children are not supposed to die before their parents. But they do. And when they die, something in us dies as well. Being a pastor for so many years, I know something about death. Over the years, I've walked with many people through the valley of death, including some of you. And now, well, now you walk it with me. So with all of that experience, you think I would know what to expect and how to find my way through it. But after Ben's death, I simply feel lost. And so the psalmist speaks for me when he says, I walk about mournfully as if a deadly wound is in my body. That's what it feels like. A deadly wound in my body, a wound that carries with it a million unanswered questions. But I think that's to be expected when someone you love dies. And that's because real love, the kind of love that endures, requires a vulnerability to all the vicissitudes of life the lows as well as the highs, the sorrows as well as the joys. In his book, Lament for a Son, the theologian Nicholas Wosterstauf explains love this way. God is love. And that's why God suffers. And the one who does not see God's suffering does not see God's love. God is suffering love. Because suffering is at the center of things, deep down. Where the meaning is. I think he's right. Love and suffering go together. You can't have one without the other. So, as I see it, our wounds feel so deadly and cause us to mourn so sadly only because we love so deeply. Boosterhoff also said something that spoke something else that spoke to my broken heart and here i paraphrase wounded love is special love special in its wound for it reminds us of the ones we have lost and reminds us of our solidarity with all who sit on humanity's mourning bench again i agree Wounded love is special love. Wounded love is what binds us all to God and to one another. I think Jesus showed us that. Well, the psalmist must have known that as well because even while he walked mournfully as if a deadly wound were in his body, he also held out hope that one day one day he would find help with God. And so he asked himself, why are you cast down, O my soul, and why are you disquieted within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my help and my God. As I sat in Ben's house on Christmas Eve, my wound seemed as deep and as deadly as his my soul as disquieted as it has ever been. But as I sat there in the darkness, I thought of you sitting here in this sanctuary, lighting a candle and claiming a promise about a light that shines in the darkness, a light the darkness can never overcome. And I also thought about the homily I had written for that day, a homily I confess that was written as much for me as it was for you. Because even before Ben's death, I sensed that I needed to hear some good news of great joy, news about a God who loved me, who loved Ben, who loved you so much that God would choose to become flesh. And live among us and that too proved to be a wounded love in my homily which Catherine read for you that night I quoted Lauren Winner who said real love engenders a desire for nearness embodied nearness because when you love someone you you want to be near them it's no different with God, the God who loves us wants to be near the creatures God loves. And that's what hurts so much about Ben's death. I wanted, Sally wanted, Jenny wanted, Linda wanted, Grace wanted, nothing more than to be there with him and for him because we loved him so much. And Lord knows we tried. In her book, Psalms of Lament, the poet Anne Weems gives voice to the pain that she felt after the untimely death of her son. And some of you may remember I quoted one of her psalms in the sermon I preached after Rob's death. In reading through them again after Ben's death, I found another one that speaks to me and for me. This lament psalm, 49. Oh God, I wasn't there for him. Why didn't you let me be there for him? When he walked through the valley of the shadow of death, I wasn't there to hold him against the night of fear or to comfort him in the atrocity of his pain. Oh God, you could have given me that. You could have allowed me to be with him in his hour. Oh God, where was our covenant on that night? Where, oh God, were you? What's the sense of all this, oh mystery? What's the sense of all my pain? What good comes from my tears? What is better because he died? What is better? because I cried. This is my prayer, O Holy One. Give me the peace that passes understanding. Give me the assurance that you were there for him. And give me the assurance that you are here for me. Like Weems, I have so many questions for God but at the end of the day, I am left to cling to the promise that God was there for Ben, and that God is here for me, Sally, Jenny, Linda, Grace, Robin, and for all of you as well. And I do cling to that promise that none of us walk alone through the valley of death. It's the Apostle Paul who best helps me to cling to God's promises. Writing to people like me and like you, people who were well acquainted with suffering and death, he reminds them and he reminds us that the Holy Spirit is here sitting with us on our morning benches, helping us in our weakness, interceding for us with sighs too deep for words, and assuring us, that nothing, not even death, can separate us from the love of God. As we know from Scripture, God knows about wounded love because God was there with Jesus at his untimely death. It's wounded love that bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things endures all things. It's wounded love that never ends. It is not lost on me that Jesus died at about the same age of my sons. And so it comforts me to know that the wounds I carry are shared by God, as is the love I feel. And without that knowledge I don't think I could face another day now lest you think my faith is stronger than it really is I must tell you that there have been moments many moments in fact when it felt to me as if God was nowhere to be found I searched for answers as to why something so tragic was happening again in my family and I prayed but it seemed as though God wasn't listening or worse, God didn't care. And yes, yes there were moments when I felt like Job, moments when it seemed as though everybody and everything that meant something to me had been taken away. But unlike Job, I am blessed with much better friends. You see, in those moments when it seemed that God was nowhere to be found, I got a phone call, an email, a text message, a letter, or a visit from one of you, or a colleague, or a neighbor, or a friend, who without exception seemed to know that the only way to comfort me was to come and sit beside me on my morning bench. It's your faith that carries and sustains me through this time of mourning. And for that, I am so very grateful. But dear friends, what I am most grateful for is the knowledge that God does indeed dwell with each and every one of us. And that one day, one day God will wipe away every tear from our eyes. One day death and mourning will be no more for the first things will have passed away and God will be our light. So while I continue to mourn Ben's death and while I continue to tend to my own wounds, I take comfort in knowing that my son Ben is already basking in that light May it be so for you and me as well. Amen.